The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, and my name is Steven, and today I continue forward my super drive, my journey, as it were, through Manifest Destiny. This time we're talking about Volume 4, and it's called Sasquatch. So this was written by Chris Dingus with art by Matthew Roberts. Now, when I talked about Volume 3 back in a previous episode, one of the things that I mentioned, one of the things about Volume 3 that really kind of threw me through a loop and got me a bit confused were these sudden journal entries by a guy named Captain Lawrence Helm. And I was convinced, because I obviously wasn't paying attention, I was convinced that this guy was part of the Lewis and Clark expedition. And I felt it was kind of weird that suddenly we were, were getting this guy's journal entries as well. Well, volume four opens up with him and his journal entries. And I start to realize that there's something about this expedition that's a little different than Lewis and Clark. And that's when I finally started to pay attention to the dates. This guy is part of an expedition from 1801, whereas the Lewis and Clark expedition was in 1804. Now, they don't really explain what this expedition is, and the few names from this group, Captain Lawrence Helm, the, the leader of the group, Major Flewelling, I looked these folks up, and these don't seem to be real people. So this is some type of exploration that was mounted before three years before Lewis and Clark. And it's because of their expedition. It's because of what they brought back. That's why Lewis and Clark are on theirs. We learn all this in volume four. So this guy, Captain Lawrence Helm, he's the guy I, I mentioned. I, now I honestly don't remember which volume it's in. I want to say it's it's back in volume two, where we see the backstory of Lewis going in to, to meet with the president and the president is telling him, you know, Jefferson's telling him, we, I want you to take this expedition and, and here's the real reason behind it. And he shows them a skull that appears to come from some sort of cyclops. Well, Captain Helm is the guy that brought this cyclops skull back and he is the sole survivor of this expedition. And so they kind of go back and forth between the Helm Expedition, and the Lewis and Clark group. And it's kind of fun at first because they they just kind of step you through some of the dangers that this first group met in the winter of 1801, around November and December. They fought these flatworm-looking crustacean creatures that were are some kind of mammals. They had these sharp teeth and claws. They, they fight carnivore grass, 
It's like grass that has these freaking buds that open up and they try to eat these people. They also fight some kind of fish monsters from their boat, which crashes and sinks, and they have to build this cabin alongside the river. And the whole time they're there, there's something that they'll catch something off in the trees watching them. And it turns out to be the elusive Sasquatch. Now, I'm not going to go back and forth between the two groups. I think that might be confusing as I'm talking about it here on the podcast. But there's a couple of things that I do want to reveal in the episode. So last episode, I talked about how I was really looking forward to this volume. Volume four, you are going to get Sasquatch. You're going to get the Bigfoot. But I was worried based on some of the other creatures that they have come across in this book. I was worried about how they were going to portray the mighty Sasquatch. And I, I I will announce that I was fairly happy with their version of Bigfoot. So I should reveal, I guess, that the Cyclops skull that started Lewis and Clark on this expedition is actually the skull of a Bigfoot. Yes, the Bigfoot in this world is a Cyclops with a bit of a horn on the top of his head. So it looks, it's Bigfoot, right? Think of how Bigfoot looks, but he's got one great big eye and a bit of a horn on the top of his head. And the way Bigfoot kind of enters this story, at least in this volume, it's, he's really got kind of a sad story, he and his people. So Helm and Flewelling and, and their people, they build this cabin for the winter and they're, they're running out of food. And Flewelling has this seeming sixth sense to just predict when his people might be talking about mutiny. And we know he's not just crazy because they do show a scene with Captain Helm and two of these other guys and they're talking, one of them's talking about how they need to do something. They can't stay here for the winter. They need to leave. They need to kill Major Flewelling and Captain Helm as I'm walking away from this. This has nothing to do with me. I think you're crazy and I can't believe you're talking about this. This is mutiny and blah, blah, blah. And so later that day, they're up on the roof of this cabin and they're, they're repairing it. And Major Flewellen comes out and he, he calls, I think the guy was named Crane. He's like, Crane, I need to talk to you. And as he's coming down the ladder, Flewellen knocks the ladder out from under him and the guy falls and then he kills him. And he says, this man was planning mutiny. And so I killed him. And you know he was because he was planning it. But Flewellen takes another step and he says, He's also going to help provide us with sustenance. We're going to carve them up and we're going to eat them. What other choice do we have? There's nothing else for us to eat here. All the animals are hibernating. Everything is dead. It's the middle of winter. And so some of the group goes along with them and some of the group, they, don't, they, they won't eat them. Well, at one point, Flewellen, he's out, or not Flewellen, uh, Helm is out in the woods and he starts hearing a voice. And he references this voice as something that he's been hearing quite a bit of. And then he learns, he's, he's been hearing the voice, he, think he thinks he's going crazy, but then the voice finally manifests into the spirit of this Spanish explorer, Maldonado. And he tells Helm this story about how he and his group were exploring hundreds of years ago, a couple hundred years ago, and they were in this area and, and a creature killed him. 
And he is there to help Helm, help all of his people. Right now, they're they're going down the wrong path by becoming cannibals. And he's going to show him where he can find food and meat, bring it back to the camp so that these people don't have to continue down the path of cannibalism. So he's like, just follow me. And he follows them through the woods. And they come across one of these Bigfoot creatures. And he just tells them, shoot it through the eye. Well, the Bigfoot creature notices him. It's like doing something on a tree. It's like scratching the bark off of a tree. And it turns around and it sees Helm there with his rifle. And he is holding this piece of bark in his hand. And he almost smiles. And he reaches out as if he wants to hand this this piece of bark to Helm. Like, oh, well, here's a new friend. Here's something that I have for you. And Helm shoots it in the eye and kills it, drags it back to the camp, and that, but before, okay, before he takes it back to the camp, Maldonado's like, taste its blood. Taste his blood, trust me. And so he does, and he goes, oh my gosh, that tastes wonderful. So he drags the thing back to camp, and he hangs it up from a tree by its feet, and he starts to gut it. And all the guys from this, from his group, come out of the cabin, and they're just, what in the heck are you doing? And he says, hey, I, I killed this creature. We're going to eat it. We no longer have to eat each other. We're going to eat. We, I have found meat. There's more of them out there. And they're very upset at him. There's no way we're going to eat this monster. That's wrong. That's evil. That's wicked. We're not eating a monster. And he's like, oh, you'll eat each other, but you won't eat this? Fine. Don't eat it. I'm going to have some. I'll make plenty for everybody if you want to join me. So he carves it up into steaks, fries them up, and he's sitting at their little table and he starts to eat and he's trying to be very gentlemanly about it, taking these little bites and being very proper and prim. But he just wants to gobble it up because it's the most wonderful thing he's ever tasted in his entire life. And so Major Flewelling, he kind of sits down. He says, all right, I'll try some. And and everybody just starts eating it and they love it so much. And so then the next day they start going out and hunting these things down. And they're just They just kill a crap ton of them. And they all seem to be just these really friendly creatures. They live, they have families. And at one point, they they, they come across a group of them in the river. And it's like a mother and a father and a couple of kids. And they just, they kill them and they drag them back and they eat them. And at one point, these things finally decide they're going to fight back. And one of them bursts through the cabin wall and they kill it right away. And then the other one's freaking out and they're they're running away because they're not they're just they're not really fighters and it's just really sad that they kill off a bunch of these creatures and so in the end uh, the winter ends and they they move forward with their expedition and I, I honestly i don't remember how it happens but something maybe it was the maybe it was the bigfoot now i now i'm that's driving me crazy but something happened so that everybody in the party except for flewelling and helm are killed and these two carry on and you find out that this uh the spirit this spanish explorer maldonado has been also talking to fluellen and that's how he's been finding out that these men were trying to you know commit mutiny and all this stuff and he seemed to have a sixth sense it's because maldonado would tell him and uh he keeps guiding them forward west 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 all the way to the ocean where they meet and we're introduced to what ultimately has got to be the big bad of the story, at least at this point. And it's this giant demon creature called Navath. 
And it tells the two of them, whichever one of you survive, you will be my messenger and you will take my message back to your people. And they end up fighting and Helm is the one that survives. And he goes, he, he heads back east and it's just, oh man, it's so good. It's such a good story. So, all right. So then we get, then throughout this, we're seeing what's happening also in 1804 with, uh, the Lewis and Clark folks, and they also run across these flatworm, crustacean, mammal creatures with the sharp teeth and claws and have no trouble dispatching them. They also encounter the carnivore grass and have no trouble getting through it. They encounter the fish monsters. They have no issues with them. They cut them down and don't crash their boat. And they, they ultimately, it's like they have started, they've gotten used to all the monsters and they're becoming a really... After the the their encounter with the uh, the Fezron and that freaking big bat vampire creature thing that would steal their heads, after that it's like they've grown closer together and they become a a, a better fighting unit. But at one point they do end up running across these Bigfoot. And the Bigfoot at this point are now savage monsters that try to kill them because the last humans that came through killed most of their people. And it just, it was, it's just really sad. These poor Bigfoot, you know, and, and so they have to kill these Bigfoot. And then you, you learn the whole backstory behind Helm getting back to civilization and Jefferson introducing Lewis and Clark to him and hearing the message that he was sent back to tell, which was... The blood of the war child, whichever antagonist spills the blood of the war child shall win the war and rule the land. And this Navath is basically saying, there's all this land in the West and I'm going to give it to whoever can spill the blood of the war child, which is the, the sacrifice to me. And I'm starting to wonder, Sagajaway is pregnant. Is her child going to be the war child that they have to kill? And as the message references... One side, whichever side does this will win the war. So who's the other side? And Clark at one point asks this question. Well, who, there, there's a war. Who, who's the other side? And, and Jefferson basically says something to the effect of, well, Bill, I would figure that you out of anybody would know that. And we have learned that at one point in their past, Lewis and Clark, at least in this, I don't know if they were in real life, but in this book, they were Indian fighters. And so is the other side the Indians, the, the, the Native American people, because they encounter two different tribes in this, in this volume. And one of them acts very hostile toward them because they also encountered Helm when he was heading back east and he ended up hurting one of their people. And uh, this book is really, really coming together. It's really the, the, the big story is starting to emerge. The larger tale is really starting to emerge. And they've done a really good job of, you know, good Lord, this is the fourth volume. This is 24 issues it's taken to reveal who kind of our big bad is. And almost, they still haven't 100% spelled out the the real reason for this journey. They know that there's a message, but why? What's what's the real purpose behind this expedition? We don't quite know that just yet, but we're getting hints and we're getting closer to the truth. And it ends in such a way, this volume ends in such a way that they end up building their own cabin, the, the Lewis and Clark crew, on the plains. They're, they're, um, they're basically around North Dakota at this point. They're the, the, the Great American Plains. 
and they build a cabin for the winter. Um, and Lewis, at one point, he's talking to Miss Boniface, who she's feeling very leery about going back behind the walls of something. The last time she was behind walls was in, um, can you remember the name of that fort from volume one where the plant monsters, zombies, took over and killed most of her people. And so she's kind of leery about, because they're, they're not just building a cabin. It's almost like they're building a fort with walls. And she's a little leery about being back behind those walls again. And he's trying to make her feel better. And he's like, you know what? For the first time, I feel like we have something good going on and we feel safe. And there's, you know, there's, there's nothing, nothing bad out there right now is going to hurt us. And I should mention, and it's one of the reasons I think the whole story behind the Bigfoot, the Sasquatch in this, in this book is sad, is because they do, they end up encountering another arch in the book. And it's when they encounter the Bigfoot. And whenever they encounter an arch, there are evil monsters living nearby that want to kill them. But the Bigfoot originally were not evil monsters. They were just friendly creatures that lived in the wild. And, um, but the arch, once they encounter it, they, they realize it's, it's, they don't notice it at first because it's been knocked down. They just notice the pieces around them. And I have to wonder, my theory is that maybe the Bigfoot, this Sasquatch, this group of creatures are actually a force of good. And they knocked the arch down, drove away whatever monsters might have been there in the first place, and then were treated so savagely by the humans, right? But at the end, he's like, you know, you know, we, there's no, there are no arches around. The one arch was knocked down. We're great. Everything's going to be fine. We've been safe here for these this past month. Nothing's going to happen. I think for the first time, we are on an upward trend. And as he's saying this, we pan back and we're looking down upon the scene from way up in the sky. The snow is falling very gently and you see what appears to be an invisible arch. They're, they've practically built their fort in the middle, right underneath an invisible arch. You can see it because it's starting to collect snow on the top of it. And so that's how it ends. And again, I'm so happy I started reading this book it just, for me, it just came out of nowhere. I stumbled upon it. And the art, oh my God, the art is so good. There are so many pages and panels in this book where the art is just spectacular. And I just, I have to stop and just stare at it for a while and just gaze in open jaw splendor at some of this artwork. Now, I will say that I did have problems with the journal entries from Captain Helm because Lewis Lewis's journal entries are just done in regular script, whereas his are done in cursive. And if the, the page is big enough on my screen, I have no problems reading it. But sometimes I had to expand. I had to zoom in to read those panels, those text boxes, which was slightly annoying, but it didn't ruin my enjoyment of the story. So yeah, next is volume five. I'm pretty sure there's a volume five out there waiting for me on Hoopla. I can't remember where they stopped. Like I said in the last episode, they're still making issues. So I don't know what I'm going to do once I hit the last volume. I don't think I'm going to start buying issues because I've been reading these volumes through Hoopla. I haven't, I'll be honest with you, I haven't paid for any of this stuff, but I've been borrowing it from the library. So I'm assuming just through that, platform that the creators are getting paid somehow but i don't know where the where we end at this point where they where the last 
trade is. I'm pretty sure there's a volume five out there waiting on me because that would be, I don't know. I feel like the the issue that I saw recently was an issue 48. So I'm pretty sure with this issue just being 20, this volume ending with issue 24, there's got to be at least two other volumes out there waiting for me. So ready to dig in. Just like this last volume, I actually read through probably 80% of it last night. I started it a couple of days ago, finished it last night, recording about it today. I don't know when the episode's going to be out, but I'm just devouring this series. I'm loving it so much, and I never want to start the next volume until I'm done talking about the one I just read because I don't want anything from the next volume to seep into my head when I'm talking about a particular volume. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope you do because I'm done talking. I'm done. I'm just going to leave you here. My name is Steven and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other, folks. Manifest destiny. Read it. I'm out. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Steven or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stevenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash stevenrr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at stevenorelse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at stevenorelse. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes. Good job.